Let, let me begin by saying that I was in the, your Cutler uh, church, and I was the very first time I've been there since you remodeled. And let me say this to you, for you that helped out there, what a great job you did at that church. I mean, I'll tell you, what a great job. I, I commend you, uh, this congregation, for being faithful in so many things, and, and I totally am impressed on how the house of God looks like in, in Cutler. It's just comfortable, and you just want to be there for a long time. So I commend you for the way that that place looks today. Today, I'd like to share something with you that I pray will, will challenge your faith and will challenge your walk and will challenge your relationship with the Lord. I praise the Lord for Pastor Angel that came and invited me to come and speak while he's suffering for us there in Southern California. I saw him at a Dodger game, and you know, and uh, I told him, as long as you eat a Dodger dog, I'm okay with that. So it's like, uh, I'm a Dodger fan, not a, I know, I know, it's like, but since I got the pulpit, guess who reigns? Dodgers do, so... Uh, Um, I want to challenge your faith, I want to challenge your walk, and I want to challenge your relationship with the Lord. When I think about the last couple of years, uh, when I think about the lockdown that we had uh, with our churches, uh, when you think about the COVID, and, and it seems like we're rising again, and, but that's just the enemy throwing fear at people right now. And, and this political climate uh, that we are experiencing in our country, when we think about the food prices, man, you can't even go to McDonald's no more. Uh, can't even get one hamburger because it's, you know, it takes all your paycheck. <laughs> and then there's the gas prices. It's kind of crazy. Um, I believe that the enemy has done a great job in making the church lose her momentum. Because I do know that back in 2020, we were ready to start building our facilities, but our finance company stopped us, saying, you know, we don't know if the church is going to be able to pay that payment, so they completely stopped us. And now, after two years, we're, we're ready to build again, but I'm afraid to build because of the prices that, the uh, wood prices are kind of crazy. So we decided to just kind of hold off a little bit. You know, I wasn't going to put my church into a bind, and uh, we got a great facility in San where we're at right now, and uh, so we're working on that. But the enemy, man, really kind of stole our momentum, but we're on the uprise and trying to get back together again. I, but in, in that process, I, I'd like to know what the church learned during the last few, few years. I know that we discovered a lot about Trump. We discovered a lot about Biden. And we discovered a lot about Pulaski. We discovered a lot about BLM. But I wonder if the church discovered anything new about God the last couple of years. Because there are people who are more interested in settling rather than discovering. Especially discovering things about God. Settling does not require any effort. But discovering does require effort. There's so much to God that we have not even tapped into one-tenth of what He's all about. There is, there is a risk that has to be taken in order to discover things about God that we don't even know about. But we rather settle. We're comfortable. One of the problems that I have, I'm, t- I'm speaking about Family Worship Center, right? One of the problems that we've had in our church is our church has gotten too comfortable with where they're at. They're settled for one 
week, one day out of the week service on Sunday. You know what I hate what's happened to us? Is that our classrooms have become storerooms. Our classrooms are no longer filled with people because we've gotten so used to staying down and, and not getting involved anymore. So we rather settle than discover. You know, we all know this story. Uh, has nothing to do with my sermon, but I'm going to say it anyways. When you begin to discover things, you, you, you're, you're in awe about it. You know, in, in the book of Acts chapter 16, there's that great story, and I preached that in the 40, in the 48 years I've been a pastor. I, I, I have just read, preached this sermon many times where, where Paul and Silas are beaten up, and then they go to prison, and then there's an earthquake, the prison wall doors open up, and then the, the, the prison guard finds that their, that the doors are open, he decides to commit suicide, he's about to kill himself, Paul stops him, They're invited to his house. He gets saved and his entire family. Great story. But if you go on to that end of that chapter, something interesting takes place. Something I discovered the other day. Maybe your pastor has already shared it with you, but let me share this real quick with you. And that is that when... Did you ever wonder why the, the, the guard wanted to kill himself? I mean, why kill yourself over prisoners? Just let them go. I don't care if prisoners leave or not. I ain't going to take my life as prisoner. Something was going on, and you study and you read it. You find that the guard was one of the guys that beat Paul and Silas. He was one of them. So when he finds that they're missing, or they're not in their jail, in their jail cell, he's afraid that Paul and Silas are coming after him. That's why he goes, I'd rather die before these two guys come and get me. So when he goes to them, when Paul calls out, he goes to them and he kneels down, not to worship them or praise them, but he did, he kneels down, say, look, I know I messed you guys up. Please don't hurt me. And then we all know that famous line, for you and your house, we're going to get saved. Here's this. The Bible says that the guard takes them and cleans up their wounds. He cleans them up. Sometimes the greatest move that God would do in your life is when you have to clean up wounds of people that you hurt. Oh, we don't like that. And sometimes people that you hurt, you got to take them out to eat. Because the Bible says he took them out and fed them. That's what the Bible says. Man, I'd be taking people out to eat every day if that was the case. Because I offend people every Sunday in church. You know, where you get mad at me or not, I don't care. Man, it's like, I, but they always come back. But this is what I discovered. The magistrates or the consulars or the constables, whoever they are, they went and told, they, they heard about the earthquake and, and everything that took place. So they sent a messenger to the jailer, to the uh, guy taking care of the jail. He tells them, tell, let Paul and Silas go. Let them go. But tell them to leave quietly. That's what the Bible says. You read it. But tell them to go quietly. But here's the thing that I discovered. Paul is not a big dude. Paul is a small guy. He's about four feet eleven. He's bald and has a long nose and he walks kind of crooked a little bit. If you see him in the street, you probably give him money because you think he's a bum. <laughs> so when Paul gets that message, if you read it, he says this. What? They want me to leave quietly? You tell those bums to come over here and tell me that. I'm not leaving quietly. I'm going to do what I need to do. 
But tell them to come and you tell them to escort me out of the city. I dare them. And when they gave that message back to the magistrates, they came and they kneeled down and they apologized to Paul and Silas. And when they walked out of the city, I'll tell you something, Paul wasn't quiet. I only say this because I discovered this. You know, one of the things I've learned about what what's happened in the pandemic and all this stuff, all this chaotic climate that's happening around our country, is trying to keep the church quiet. It's telling you to be, don't say nothing. The devil's saying, shh, shh. But I'm here to let you know, it's time to get loud. Hey, Jennifer Lopez sang a song, it's time to get loud. Didn't she sing that? <laughs> she sang that. Time to get loud. No, but we're quiet. Oh, no, we've got to have quiet, quiet. Listen, can I say this to you? You have a great worship team. But don't let them out sing you. Don't let them out sing you. You're the choir. They're not. They're just leading you into the Holy of Holies. It's your job to shout till you get there. So don't be quiet. Don't leave quietly. But that's not what I want to speak. I just don't want to share that with you. So people are rather settled in discovering. And then I discovered something I want to share with you. In the book of Psalms 126. Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6. There's a thing that God was bringing the people back, and He's going to bless them and honor them. And then He said this to them in verse uh, 5. He says, And you that have precious seed. Okay? Write that down. If you're taking notes, take out that, those two words. Precious seed. Turn around and tell somebody, precious seed. I just want you to say it. Because there's a difference between seed and precious seed. For instance, there is the will of God, and then there's the perfect will of God. Two different things. Because the word precious means it goes forth. That's what precious means. It goes forth. It's not precious if you hold it in your hand. It's not precious if you only think about it. But it's precious when it's not no longer in your hand. You send it forth. You release it. There are things in your life that are precious that we need to learn how to let go in our life today. See, God wants the precious so that you can enter into the dimension of the doubtless. Because there is something about releasing the precious so that it removes the doubt. Now, let me clear everybody's mind. I'm not talking about money and offerings, all right? Just hold on go with me. So don't close me off right now. There is something about the releasing the pressure so that it removes the doubt. Whether or not the miracle is going to happen, you have no doubt what will happen. But it requires to you for you to let go of the precious in your life. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16 says, there's the cornerstone. No, it doesn't say that. The precious cornerstone. 1 Peter 1.19 says, the blood of the Lamb. No, it says, the precious blood of the Lamb. So God requires the precious because He gave the precious blood of the Lamb for you and I today. There's a missionary story that I read the other day that there were poor people came to church in this jungle area, and poor people gave all they had. Some gave apples, some gave bananas, some gave a a handful of grain, and some had a handful of rice. They gave all that they had. One particular old woman, 
who had nothing but wanted to give something. So she went to the front and sat on the offering plate and she said, I give myself away. I give myself to you, Lord, because this is all I have, she was saying in essence. And that's all God wants from you. Because when he has, she gave the precious. It wasn't about the amount. It's the fact that she gave everything she had. Now, I'm going to say something to you. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not. I believe in it, but I don't preach it every Sunday. Because that's not the foundation of my ministry. I'm more about Christian living. But I do believe that God wants to prosper His people. I do believe that God wants to bless His people. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we, there's a story. I love this, and I hope you, 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 you know it, but I hope you, that did grab you. Solomon is about to be king of Israel. And so what he does, he gathers all that he had. He gathers his 1,000 sheep, and he sacrificed them. He sacrificed them. He sacrificed them to the Lord because he was about to be king of Israel. And then God speaks to him. I love this. He says to him, I saw you release the precious in your life. Now I'm going to introduce you to the supernatural. This is what God's telling him. I'm going to introduce you to the supernatural. So you know what he tells him? What do you want me to do for you? He told him that after he released the precious. How would you like for God to come to you and says, what do you want me to do for you? What would you do with that? I would say fill up my tank, <laughs> fill up my grandchildren's tank and my wife's tank. That's what I would say. God is saying to you, after you give your precious, what would you want me to do for you? What a powerful statement. Because God saw Solomon give his precious, and now God is saying, what do you want me to do for you? And then you go on and read in 1 Kings chapter 8, now he has so much stuff, now he has 220,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Now God is multiplying and blessing him because he released the precious. I'm not talking about finances, but I'm talking about how precious is your faith? Let me tell you what, what is precious to the Lord. When you believe, even though you can't see the evidence that something is happening. Let me say it again. When you believe, even though you can't see the evidence that something is happening. When you praise and when you worship and when you give thanksgiving, yet you don't see nothing happening around you, that God is doing something, that, my friend, is precious faith. When you walk around with your head up and you have confidence that God is doing something, you can't see it, but you believe it. That is precious to the Lord today. So when you're going through some stuff, and you thought, you know, the young lady was talking about storms in your life right before service, when you can still worship knowing there's a storm in you, when God is moving despite all the bad things happening in your life, and yet you still believe, and you still come to church, and you still worship, you still give, you still love, I want you to know something, that is precious to the Lord Jesus Christ today. <laughs> Woo! That's precious. The lady in the Word of God with the alabaster box. 
She broke the box and the precious oil, that's what it says, and the precious oil came out and she anointed the feet of Jesus as an act of worship. Now you read the story, then you're going to hear that somebody yells out from the audience and says, What a waste! What a waste! Can I say this to all you young people today? I'm going to tell you something. The world is yelling at you, telling you that you are wasting your time in church. You're wasting your time with this cross thing. The world is yelling at you young people today to go and party and do what your friends are doing, enjoying themselves. Go enjoy yourself with booze and drugs and sex. You coming to church and seeking God, the world calls it waste, the word calls it worship. I've been in Sanger going to be 40 years now. I arrived there when I was 27 years old. I was a pastor when I was 20 in Colorado. I think five years from now, Sister Jeanette, I'm going to be 72. Oh my gosh. Five more years from now, I'm going to be 72 years old. I think I'm going to kind of retire a little bit. I'm already training somebody to take over for Family Worship Center. But I told my church the other day, I'll tell you what, I've given you the best years of my life. You're not going to, when I retire, you're not going to give me a little party and give me $5,000 check. Invite my friends from Cutler to come and have a little banquet for me. Uh-uh, you're paying me till I die. You're going to keep me on till I die. Why? Because I've given the best years to an organization and I'm due. You're not going to give me no $5,000. Uh-uh. I'm worth more than that. I'm sorry. I'm worth more than that. I'm worth more than that. And I'll say this to all the young people today. Look. My friends, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 17 years old, I got the good saved. You know what the good saved is? It's when you stay on and never backslide. Did I ever doubt Christ? Never have I doubted Christ. Have I had hard times? Oh, of course. Rough times? Of course. But I have never, never given up on the Lord Jesus Christ. So my friends would say, come on, Gary, let's go party. Nah, that's all right. I'll stay home. Did I miss out? Mm, according to them, I did. But according to what God wanted to give me, man, I'm, I'm, I'm right on. I went to my, this coming May, this coming June of next year, uh, my 50th high school reunion. But I went to my 45-year reunion, 45 years ago. I mean, 45 years I went to my reunion. And these guys that I grew up with, these jocks, and I was a jock too, football, baseball, basketball, track. I see them now, and they're bald. (laughs) For any guys that are bald here, please forgive me. me. But they're toothless. They're chuecos. They walk all messed up. They've been married about three or four times already. No teeth. And you know what? They call me from Colorado, some from Montana, some from Florida, call me up and say, Hey, Gary, I need some help, man. Can you think you can pray for me? See, I gave the best years of my life to the Lord. 
And I want you to know something. The world was shouting, what you're doing is messed up. What you're doing, it ain't going to work. What you're doing, come on, let's party with us. I'm so glad that I obeyed what my mom said. You're going to church whether you like it or not. I'm glad that I was forced to come to the altar. Finally, I came when I wanted to and God did his work with me. I want you to know something. Young people today, you stay on with Jesus Christ to the end. And I want you to know something. You will not regret one moment. You go all the way, all the way, all the way. Whew. Give your precious to God. My time was precious. My energy was precious. What I was thinking about doing in life was precious. And I want you to know that I gave that to God and God has honored me in every area of my life. When I think of that little boy who was there listening to Jesus preach to these 5,000 people. There were, the Bible says 5,000 men, not including the women and children that were there. And Jesus said, hi, hi. somebody told Jesus, who, how are we going to feed these people? And somebody said, well, there's a little boy here in the audience that has five fish, uh, uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. And so they go to him and say, you want to donate that? The little boy says, wait, wait a minute. Uh, my mom gave me some money to buy two fish and five loaves of bread. I got to take it home. This is my precious. This is all that I have. And Jesus says, well, just give it to me. Just trust me. So he gives it to Jesus. Jesus prays over it, and it multiplies. We know the story. And now the little boy goes home, not with one basket, but with 12 baskets full, because he gave up the precious. Woo. The precious is the invisible. It's the underground where no one sees. The hay and the wood is the visible, but it's that precious thing in your life. There has to be an unseen part of our lives that nobody sees. Do you have an unseen part in your life where nobody knows about a part where you don't brag about what you do and what you give? There has to be that precious part in your life today. And then, this is where I like to... Because only God... Sees the precious. Remember the story of, of Abraham, and God tells him, I want you to go to the mountain, and I want, this is what he says, read the word, I want you to sacrifice your precious son. That's what he says. The college version says, Go and sacrifice your precious son. Now, Jeanette, how many boys did Abraham have? He had two boys, Ishmael and Isaac. Two of them. Guess who he takes? He takes his precious. He takes his precious to sacrifice. God was asking for the precious son. He could have taken Ishmael, but Isaac was the precious son. God was asking for the precious, but right when he was about to, when Abraham was about to kill his precious God stops Abraham and he tells him this. Now I know that you love me. I will become your Jehovah Jireh. I will become your provider because you gave me your precious. Sometimes God will bless you to see if you will give your precious back to him. I preached this the other day. To my congregation. And my grandson Uriah and my grandson Cain were sitting there listening to this. After church, my youngest, Cain comes up to me. We're eating after church. 
And he says, Papa, can I ask you something? I go, sure. If you were Abraham and God asked you to give you your precious grandson, who would you take? I didn't know what to say. And my older grandson, Uriah, goes, take him. Go ahead. I won't be offended by you, by you taking him, Papa. When you think about, when you think about Jacob, he lost his son, Joseph. He lost his precious. And now, many years later, Joseph is second in command in Egypt. And he recognizes his brother's coming. You gotta listen to this. He comes, he sees his brothers come, he recognizes them, and he's overjoyed inside. So, he asks them, they don't know who he is, but they ask, he asks them, do you have a younger brother? They go, yeah, but he's precious to our father. So what Joseph does, he puts a, something in, in Simon's sack, right? And he, so they go looking for, they, 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 they take off, with sacks of provision. Sacks. Okay, remember. Sacks of provision. So they go and Jacob, uh, jo- Joseph says, let's uh, go check one of their bags. Somebody stole something. So they find that Simon had something in his backpack or in the sack. And so they keep him. And then Joseph tells his brothers, if you want Simon, bring me the precious one. So they go tell Isaac, I mean uh, Jacob, hey Jacob, they took Simon, but the guy in Egypt wants your precious son. So guess what happens? They bring, I think Benjamin, he reveals who he is, and we all know the story, and I say this to you, that when they go back, they go back with wagon loads. See, Jacob gave up the precious, but he came back with the wagon loads. See, we settle for sacks when there's wagon loads provision for you. We want just the little things. When in reality, God wants to give you wagon loads of provision. Don't settle for a sack of load of provision when you have wagons ready to be given to you by God himself today. There's a story of a man named John Griffin. In the 1930s, during the Depression, who lived in Oklahoma, but he moved to Mississippi. And he finds a job operating a bridge to allow the great ships to move across the Mississippi River. One day, he's sitting on a small hill near the place where he worked at with his five-year-old son, when he hears a train coming. So he tells his son, stay right here. So I can go lower the bridge so that the train can cross. And as he goes to his office and goes to the tower, he climbs up the tower to lower the bridge. He noticed that his son has moved from the place he left him and he moved in. He moved now to a dangerous place. But he can't go and move him because the train is fast approaching. So he has to choose between his son or the 300 passengers So he lowers the lever and the bridge comes down on his son and kills him while the 300 passengers go across safely. Once you know something, God gave his precious son 
so that you and I can live for eternity. He gave the precious for you and I today. Sometimes we don't realize how precious that is. Give up your son. Would you give up your son for Jeanette? Would you give up your son for, for Nate? Would you give your son up for me? You don't even know me. Yet Jesus gave up his son because he loved you. Giving up your precious. And the thing is, what is it that you have in your hand? doesn't do you no good. doesn't do you no good. Right after church, I start my vacation. Right? I'm taking my kids to, to Universal Studios. And I'm going to see a couple of Dodger games. Okay? And then... <laughs> so I've been saving my money. I've just been saving my money for a couple of years now. Just saving. And uh, my grandson, Kane, came into my office. I was counting my money. You go, whoa! What's that for? Well, you know, emergencies, you know, whatever. Well, where's, where's the money for our trip, for our vacation? And uh, I said, well, I'm not going to use all of it. I'm going to put some of it. He goes, what's the use of keeping it and if you can't use it? Don't you want me to be happy? Don't you want to smile at me when I'm eating those, those four dozens of taquitos at Lovera Street? Don't you want to be happy as I'm coming down that roller coaster? I never, that's priceless, Papa. My smile is priceless. So why hoard the money? Spend it, bro. Spend it. That's my grandson telling me that. So guess what I'm doing tomorrow? Got to spend it. Because it doesn't, it's not precious if I keep it in my pocket. I'm here to let you know that God wants you to discover things about Him. Don't settle. Don't, don't let Pastor Angel discover things for you. You discover as well. Discover things that you've never discovered before. But precious seed is very important. Ask Abraham. And for the rest of Abraham's life, God delivered him and helped him because he gave his precious up for that. And this morning, your precious gifting your talents, are you keeping it for somebody else? Give those things up. Your faith, is it precious? Is your believing, is, it, is trusting, is it precious? Your giving, is it precious? I want you to know something. I walked into the church in Cutler yesterday, this morning, and right before service, I hadn't started yet, and there was two men in the back, and they had their checkbooks out, and they were writing. And I went over, and I, I you know, I was nosy. I figured I'm just going to be there, I'm going to be out of there anyway, so they can't get mad at me. And I go, and they put ties. He's putting ties. I go, you're giving ties? He goes, yeah, you know, that's really remarkable because usually I see the wife make the checkout. But a man making a checkout? That's tight. <laughs> he's giving up the print, but he's the one who worked for it. And he's giving it up. And I prayed for him this morning that he gave his precious. And today, whatever your... For instance, let me just use the offering for a minute. You give that up, and it's precious to you. Don't tip the church. Don't tip the church. Give what is required. Don't tip. No tipping. I don't like tipping. My wife, I tell my wife, how much do we owe the waitress? And my grandson goes, you don't owe nothing. 
And I'm going, no, I do. I, you know, she works hard. Find out how much the percentage we've got to give. And I'm with my calculator, my phone. Okay, we got to give this much. And my, if it's 15 bucks, Raya will go, just give her 10. I'll go, no, that's not right. That's just tipping her. I don't want to tip her. I want to help her. And that's what we need to do. Find out what you have to give. It's your precious. Whether it's money, talent, gifting, whatever you have, give it. Because God is going to honor you. He'll become your provider this morning. Father, today I worship you and I praise you. Thank you for the precious that we have. Whether it be our finances, whether it be our talents, we're going to give it to you, God. You required of Abraham to give his talents, his precious. You, you required Jacob to give his precious. You gave your precious for us today. And today, Lord, let this church be loud and vocal and, and reach out to the communities because it's no longer, oh, CWC, Dinuba, Cutler, but it is Central Valley, CWC, reaching out to every place. So this morning, God, I'm going to give you all the glory and all the honor. Because truly you are a coming king. I truly love you. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I'm going to ask for you. I want to pray for you today. Because we see the gas prices. We see the food prices. We see everything going up. and Just going up. But you see, we, you and I do not live in the economy of the world. We live in God's economy. And God wants to bless you. God wants to move in your life today. So if there's anyone in this house say, you know, Pastor Gary, I need to release my precious. Whatever it may be today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you today. If you feel like this, I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet, anyone, and come to this altar right now. I know we don't have the music, but that's okay. It's not the music that would prompt us. It's the Word of God that would prompt us to come up. If you want to be prayed for, and you want to give up your precious, your time, your efforts, whatever it may be, I want to pray with you this morning. Would there be anybody in this house that just, just stand here? I want, to, I want to pray with you. Give you a few seconds here before we begin here today. Anybody in this house? Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. I believe in you, Jesus. Give you my precious, God. We're here this morning, God, to give you our precious. We don't want to live not having enough or just enough. We want to live with more than enough. Just that young boy, as he came with his precious, he gave it to you, and he went back with 12 baskets full. I don't know if you operate like that financially, but we know that you're taking care of us. You're our provider. There's no one in this house that's gone hungry. There's no one here that's been lacked to gain God. So this morning, God, we give you our precious. I love you, Jesus. Right now, right now, Lord, for all these people are standing in this altar today, we give you our best. We give you that which is precious to us. We give you our singing ability, our teaching ability, our, oh, just... Oh, just helping ability, our handshake ability. Our, we give you our precious to you right now, God. Would you please move within the house? Move within that. For those that are sitting in the audience, God. We're not going to be quiet. 
we're going to be like Paul and say, I refuse to leave quietly. I will out-sing the worship team. I will out-give, I will out-love, I will out-joy, I will out-peace anyone, God, today. Hallelujah. Would you, in the audience, would you just stand with me as you begin to sing this beautiful chorus with the team? Would you please? Hallelujah.